says cast all your care on him for he cares for you isn't that awesome and when we know that when we can cast all he didn't say just cast the things that overwhelm you here and there he didn't say just 
just your, your religious things or just your churchy things. He said, cast all your care on him, for he cares for you. That song went on and said, there's joy in the house today, right? Come on. Yeah. The Lord of God tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength, right? You know, when, I, when I think about the joy of the Lord, when I look at that scripture, when the Lord finds joy in what I'm doing, it encourages me to keep on doing it, right? You know, the, in, in leadership classes, they tell you, you get more of what you praise, right? Some of y'all know that phrase. You get more of what you praise. You know, my wife has been training me for 26 years. And, and she has learned that when I do something around the house that she appreciates, she, she lets me know, man, you did a great job. Thank you for doing that today. Because she's learned, I like her praise. <laughs> when we worship God and we find the joy, His joy in what we're doing, it strengthens us. It gives us the fortitude. It gives us the energy, the excitement to keep on doing for Him because He finds compassion for us. He finds love for us. He, we find hope in Him and through those moments. And I'm so thankful that there's joy in the house today because we woke up this morning, right? We have... We have faith in the one that can carry our life through every trial, every heartache, every struggle. Amen? What a joy it is to know that we, have, we serve a living, risen Savior who cares about us. Amen. 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 That's all right. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Sit down for a minute. Amen. Amen. Good to have Paul and Michelle with us this morning. Uh, newlyweds, come on. <laughs> Praise God. We're so excited for you guys. Um, thank you for being here this morning. We're just excited for your journey and looking forward to what God has to do. Amen. Then we have some journey people that's just been... I mean, 5,000-something miles riding around, just hanging out, you know, newlyweds. Jody and Vicky, good to have you guys back home. Awesome, awesome. We have some great things coming up. Um, if you are uh, joining us online, I hope that you will uh, be able to come out and be a part of our worship event on October the 30th. It's a worship encounter uh, it is a fly. There's a flyer that's going around on our, our social media and stuff. It actually has an, a QR code on it. And uh, if you uh, link, log into that QR code, for those of you who don't know how, sorry, just call Kathy and tell her you want that you're going to be here. Um, and uh, it, it basically allows us to know how many folks are coming so that we can make sure there's enough food. Y'all heard the operative word? F O O D, food. So um, there's going to be food. Uh, at that event, we want you to come out and enjoy. There's, there's a couple of different worship bands that are going to be here. Um, one is from uh, Ingle, Inglewood, is that right? Is that correct? From Scott Carden's church there. He's um, 
uh, Cameron is going to be coming and leading worship. He's led worship at our CR before. Just a just an amazing anointed young man. Also, the well uh, will be joining us as well, and they will be uh, leading worship as well. So that's going to be a great time. And, and we just hope that everyone that can can come and just worship the Lord. How many like to worship God? Amen. Come on. Good stuff. Good stuff. October 31st, we will have our fall gathering. It'll be at my house, or Kim, it'll be at Kim's house, <laughs> um, my yard, her house. Anyway, we're going to have a great time. If you would like to sign up for, um, for some sides, the sheets are in the back to sign up, and uh, we'll have uh, some chili. Now, uh, there's also going to be gumbo, right? Come on, Nick. Give me that big shake head. Come on. And what's that? Stuffed peppers, too. All right. So you better be cooking a whole lot of it. <laughs> Going to be a great time. Fellowship fun. Hayride. There's, there is a pumpkin uh, patch for kids to pick up a pumpkin, be able to paint that. It's going to be a great, great time of, once again, food, fellowship, fun. But most importantly, honoring the Lord. How many know that the Lord wants us to be together? Wants us to work together. So... Come on, be a part of that. Amen. So, November, the first Sunday of November, November the 7th, Grant Williams will be coming. Um, do we have that uh, video right fast, or is that, is that capable, the Grant Williams video? Um, I, want you to, I want you to see this. Uh, this is going to be great. There you go. I command you to know the signs. If we couldn't know the signs, why would he command us to know them? church has jumped up and down. 40 years ago, they've jumped up and down talking about the rapture. And now, 40 years later, no one wants to talk about it. Jesus said, as in the days of Noah, Noah got on the ark. This is in Genesis. It says he got on the ark, then the waters came. that you guys will set aside that week. It'll be Sunday morning, Sunday night, uh, Monday evening. There'll be a, a Q&A session, and it will be uh, held at my, at my house. And so we're welcome, anybody who wants to come. Um, and then Tuesday through Friday, it will be right back here. And we really encourage all of you guys to come out. If you are interested in knowing about how our current events relate to end-time prophetic moves, I want you to uh, please come be a part of that. It's going to be great. Marvin, you ready, ain't you? He's ready for it. He's ready. Anyway, ushers, if you would come. I really I do appreciate all of your faithfulness to the Lord. Um, as you are aware, we have purchased our playground equipment. And as you are aware that Everything takes a long time to get now when you order it. Um, so it is ordered. We're waiting on that. And we've already had some folks say, hey, I'm willing to help in putting that together. So we're going to need more than a couple. 
And so hopefully when that comes in, we will appeal to you and be a part of that. This past week, I had the pleasure of sitting down with our council and going over uh, some plans for putting a parking lot in the front and putting a drive-through. And uh, the drawings look really good. And so as soon as we get some quotes on that, we're going to be bringing that to you. And because um, we, we, we're looking forward to having a, a great entranceway there uh, that's, that we're not cramped when we walk into the side and have to shuttle people through real quick. This way we can uh, have a, a, a great entranceway and, and uh, also a place to drop people off when it's raining or snowing and all that good stuff. It's going to be beautiful. So um, be praying about that. Be looking forward to that. It's going to be a great blessing. And I know there's a many other, other things that I have probably forgotten. And uh, forgive me if I've forgotten. <laughs> Father, I'm so thankful that you are faithful. God, even through our mistakes, even through our bumps and bruises, even through all of the challenges that we face or even get ourselves into, Lord, you are gracious, you are kind, you're faithful. And I pray, Lord, that today as we worship you, as we honor you, as we lift up your name, God, that you'll be glorified in this house and that you'll draw us closer and closer to you. Thank you for grace. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being able to be in this place today. There's so many people around the world that don't even have the privilege of entering into a house of worship without fear or without, without wonder if their lives will be taken. But Lord, we have such a great privilege to be able to confidently come in and worship you. Lord, let us not take for granted these privileges that we have because if we take for granted the privileges we have, we're more apt to lose those privileges. God, let us be, a, let us be a, an Elijah voice in this day, crying out, prepare you the way of the Lord. God, strengthen us, encourage us, empower us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't y'all stand with us as we continue our worship? Hallelujah! Come on! Get those hands together this morning. He is worthy. Hallelujah! We're about to shake it up. Let's get noisy. Come on, y'all.
enemy's been defeated. Come on, somebody. We walk in your victory. Hey! We stand in authority. Hey! Yeah. hey. All for your glory. For your glory, Lord. For your constant. Hey! We walk in your victory. Yes! We stand in authority. All For his glory, amen? Not unto me, but unto him. We stand in victory. We stand in the anointing and power of God. It is not unto us. We are just earthen vessels filled with the presence of God and the power of his glory. To know that in Jesus' name, I don't know what you've come in here with this morning, but I know this, in Jesus' name, it's not a formula, folks. It's not just a, the ending of your prayer. It's not just this little formula to put it. Well, in Jesus' name. Look, I, hey, there were some disciples that came in and, and they were trying to do something in Jesus' name and they got attacked by the enemy. Come on, it's not just a formula. When you walk in the anointing and power of God, when you walk in Jesus' name, you're walking in the authority of God. You're walking with the keys of the kingdom. Come on, somebody. Y'all get what I'm talking about? Somebody needs to jingle some keys this morning. Somebody needs to say, I'm walking in the authority and the anointing and the power of God. No matter what the enemy says, I've got the keys to the kingdom and whatever I bind here on earth has been already bound in heaven. Whatever I lose has already been loosed. I'm walking in the authority of God. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm just an ambassador. I'm carrying a message. Enemy, you have to be, you have to be gone in Jesus' name. This is the house of God. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're not welcome here. I'm serving eviction to you. You are gone in Jesus. Somebody, come on. Give him praise his house. Yes. Hey. Oh, for your glory. For your glory, Lord. For your glory. Come on, sing it out. We walk in your victory. Hey. We stand in authority. Yes. All for your glory.
in this place today, Lord, for no other reason than to praise you, than to lift up your name, God, for you are worthy, you are holy, Lord. Hallelujah.
right where you are. It doesn't matter who's looking around. I just want you to lift your hands and praise Him because He is worthy. You are holy. I worship your holy name, Jesus, my everything, yes, all that I am is Come on. As I worship your majesty, yes, I worship your Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Jesus, I praise you, Lord. As if it were just me and you in the room, Lord, I praise you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah.
top verse. Jehovah seated on the throne. Oh, Abba, Father, the well that overflows, the God who was and is and shall be
Can you just lift up your hands right now and do just that, exalt him? Lord, we exalt your name. We praise you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you, God, that there is no other name under heaven given by men that we shall be saved. But your glorious, powerful, wonderful name, Jesus. Jesus. Would you just declare that over your situation? Would you declare that over your home? Would you declare that over your children? Would you declare that over your job? Would you declare that over this county? Would you declare that over this state, over this nation, over this world? Jesus. 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 Love him. Can we declare amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So be it, Lord. Let it be. Amen. Praise the Lord. You might be seated. God is faithful, isn't he? Yes, all the time, God is truly faithful to us. He is gracious. He is kind. He is good. He's more than enough. Amen. You look good this morning. I'm glad to see you here. I don't know about these uh, young Mosiers that just like to roam the world. Right? I mean... All kinds of opportunities. Yes, yes, yes. Blair and Megan, we are super proud of you too and the things that God's opening up for you. And we're glad to have you in from out west. And my, my hope was that it's going to be like, oh, they're coming back. 
you know, when, when there's something good, everybody wants it. Right? And so uh, they are on a new journey and um, going to be moving to North Carolina, from my understanding. Uh, Dr. Mosier is going to be professor. Wow. You know, Blair, the smartest thing I ever did was marry my wife. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for a good, smart wife. Amen. Amen. Megan has, a, um, uh, has to defend her dissertation and uh, tomorrow, right? And I know that's a big weight. She's right here because she's believing that she needs to be refreshed, revived by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit to God. Give her wisdom. Can you join me in praying over her that God would be with her tomorrow? And I know he will because that's his promise. But that your reliance on him will breathe freshness in you and that clarity will come and it all work together. Amen. Father, we just thank you so much. God, that your hand has been on her from the time she was born. Lord, you created her as the tapestry in her mother's womb. And Lord, you've walked with her through this journey. She has served uh, in humility and humbleness. God, she served in children's ministry. She served in various capacities. She has a heart for your kingdom and for your purposes, Lord. And I'm so thankful, God, that you have fashioned and formed her in, in such a time as this when there's an evident need for Christian professors, for, for folks to step up and be men and women of God in various areas of our society. And I pray that tomorrow that your Holy Spirit will guide and lead every step, that you'll speak into her ear, God, truth, and that every word that comes out, God, will be fashioned as you have pre- as you have prepared it to be. For your word says that the steps of a righteous person are ordered by you. And God, I'm believing the steps tomorrow are ordered, God. And it's already declared. It's already been done. It's already finished. And Lord, she comes out victorious because you are victorious. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, praise the Lord. You ready? You sure? Good. I'm not sure if I... I'm ready. Had a little bit of a long night. Um, um, One of my children decided to park their car in somebody's field on the way home last night from work. Eli, I mean, uh, one of my kids. And uh, so I I finally got home around 2.30-ish. And uh, so I'm, if I'm a little cross-eyed, just bear with me, be patient. Um, thank God that his word is faithful and true and that uh, we can declare his words even in our weakness. He is made strong. Amen? Uh, but praise God, my son is all right until this afternoon when we get to have a discussion. But he's, uh, he's alive and well at the moment. <laughs> Mercy, mercy, mercy. You know, the thing is, is this, this little, the little gentleman who owned the field that he landed in as Eli gets out of the car and shoes the cows away. Oh, did I mention his name? Anyway, um, this little old guy says, you know what? We've all done it. I'm like, you might be a little more gracious than I am right now. <laughs> he said, we've all done it. He said, this... He says, uh, I've lived on this road all my life, and I've seen many, many things happen right here. He says, 
It happens to everybody. And I started thinking back. I remember when I was 16, and I would definitely not want my parents to tell you how I drove and, and the mistakes that I made and the trouble I got into. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. If you uh, are online with us, make sure you wave your hand at us. Uh, do a little one of those little, hey, we're online. We, we just love to see that you're here. If you're a guest visiting with us this morning, um, there are vis- visitors' cards or guest cards in front of you on, on the aisle. We'd love you to fill one out so that we can have a record of your visit. We are so thankful that you have chosen to join us today. Um, uh, listen, we'll... We will love you so many different ways. You've got to like one of them, so just keep on coming. Uh, we are so, so thankful you are here. I'm going to kind of continue in the same vein that we have been talking about, uh, looking at Elijah. And I want to look at James chapter 5. James chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. <clears throat> James chapter 5, 17 and 18. Elijah was a man with a nature like us. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the, on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven, heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Father, I pray, Lord, that we will have the audacity to serve you in such a way Lord, that we can walk in the authority of God to declare the things that you have already promised. Lord, that we can become proclaimers of the promises because we are walking with you. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit will guide and lead this service, that our hearts and ears will be in tune to what you are speaking to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. What makes an ordinary, obscure person a powerful weapon in the hands of God? I mean, to think about this, I mean, if, if you look at Scripture where Elijah comes on the scene, it, he comes from this obscure area. He's a Tishbite. And who knows what that is, right? He's from the land of Gilead. And if you look at that, you know, there's, there's a region that is mountainous, um, remote and so here's this guy in the midst of if you look at first kings chapter 16 you see the 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 um kings how corrupt they were you see how uh horrid they had been how they had turned away from god and in the midst of this kind of environment here comes this guy out of nowhere if you will obscurity and and comes on the scenes and makes these enormous proclamations makes these great ambitious words uh, such powerful words. And, and so what makes an ordinary, obscure person a powerful weapon in the hands of God is prayer. Amen? I mean, if you could talk a good talk, you could have all the words to say, but if you're not plugged into the power source, you have not the power behind the words. Right? I mean, you've you got to be anointed. You've got to have the power behind the words. And the only way to have the power behind the words is to be connected to the source. And the source is our Heavenly Father. And the only way to connect with Him is to communicate with Him. 
Amen? Yes, sir. That's right. Elijah was passionate in prayer. He prayed the word of God into natural reality. He prayed with faith. Elijah impacted a nation through prayer. Can you imagine impacting a nation through prayer? Can you imagine your prayers, because the word of God says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Can you imagine your prayers changing the trajectory of someone's life? Can you imagine your prayers as you pray for someone, seeing their lives transformed, their, their whole life being transformed before them? Isn't that amazing? And, and, and prayer is that key that allows us or empowers us to be able to walk in the authority of God. One person said, prayer is the simplest act of acts. It is simply speaking to God. It, it needs neither learning nor wisdom nor book knowledge to begin it. It needs nothing but heart and will. The weakest infant can cry when he is hungry. The poorest beggar can hold out their hands for alms and does not wait to find words. The most ignored man will find something to say to God if only he has a mind. Y'all, y'all didn't get as much sleep as I did, huh? Andrew Murray said this, the, the powers of the eternal world have been placed at prayer's disposal. It is the very essence of true religion that channel, uh, that channel blessings the secret of power in life. Charles Spurgeon said this, prayers are the believer's weapons of war. When the battle is too hard for us, we call in our great ally who, as it were, lies in ambush until faith gives the signal by the cry out, Arise, O Lord. Prayer is the slender nerve which unleashes the muscles of the omnipotent God. Amen? Amen. Come on. One person said, Prayer is not begging God to do something which he is loath to do it is not overcoming reluctant in God it is implementing enforcing Christ's victory over Satan it is implementing upon earth heaven's decisions concerning the affairs of men Calvary legally destroyed Satan and concealed all of his claims God placed the enforcement of Calvary's victories in the hands of the church that's why we pray amen the old song says, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming love blood. He loved me ere I knew him and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath his cleansing flood. Right? We've been called to enforce Calvary's victory in the world. We are too focused on the fact that we see the raging war around us and we, we're too busy thinking we're on counterattacks, but in reality, it is us waging war against the enemy. It is us who, who, when we come against, as a warrior coming against the gates of a city, 
It is in that context the Bible says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. It is on the onslaught that we are taking ground, not that we're hunkered down, hiding and waiting for the gates of the enemy to come and attack us. No, but we, on the attack of the enemy, we are victorious in Christ Jesus. It is as we are taking ground, it is as if we are staking our flag and saying, this is the kingdom of God. This is the territory that has already been claimed. This is God's place. You have to leave in Jesus' name. No gate of hell shall overcome me. You have to be gone in Jesus' name. I will rip you off of, off of your hinges because this is God's place. I'm entering back in. The territory that you once claimed, the territory that you thought you had is no longer yours because in Jesus' name, I, it is mine. It is in the kingdom's house. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew 21, 22 says, And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Right? There's a, there's a principle here. Ask, believe, receive. Faith and prayer are inseparable. Amen? 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we, come on, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked him of. Come on, right? There has to be this idea of understanding that we believe God. I mean, even, even Elijah, when in his, in his first proclamation in 1 Kings chapter 17, he said, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives before, before whom I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. He understood that who he was. He understood who he was standing for. He understood that God is alive. Amen? And so we have to come in the, in the understanding that we are proclaiming the promises and the words of God. We're not just declaring some selfish ambition. We're not just declaring some ideal ideology or some thought that we thought we might sound good or might look good. We are declaring the words of God. And when we, when we walk in declaring the words of God, it comes with the authority of God, right, into whatever situation you're in. Amen. So Elijah knew rain was coming. Amen. Elijah knew rain was coming. I mean, he didn't see it. It wasn't something that, that, that he had, uh, had imagined. It wasn't something he had saw yet. He didn't see a cloud. He, he hadn't seen dew or rain in, what, three years. And, and, and so it's not like he just knew it was there, but there was something in his spirit. He knew it was going to rain. Why? Because the ear of faith hears what the eye of flesh cannot see. I'll say that again. The ear of faith hears what the eye of flesh cannot see. When man reaches the place where the world is shut out, he then has an ear in tune with the voice of God because he's no longer listening to the noises that are around him. And if we can get into that secret place where everything else is shut out, it is then that God begins to speak the revelation and truth that will set you free, that will break the bondage of the enemy, that will loose Heaven's windows to be poured out on you and for you to be used to declare the things of God. 
I mean, blessed is the man who doesn't have to see to believe. I mean, so many times we, we live in a world that, that, that it's like this. Dude, watch this. Right? There's some scary things that have happened after that. Right? And, and it's almost as if we have to see it to believe it. Come on, let's be honest, right? I don't believe you. You're crazy. No. It really happened. I don't believe you. Come on, let me show you. Right? I mean, I've had that conversation before. Blessed is the man who doesn't have to see to believe. Where do we get that from? Where is that located? Well, John 20 and 29, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Wow. Elijah was a man who believed the promises of God. He believed them so much that he was willing to claim them even when he didn't see them. He was willing to declare the things of God even though they had not happened yet. Wow, what a powerful thing, right? I mean, as, as a child, I, I, I know this is me being personal, but I felt bad for many times over my life of raising my kids because I would make promises and wouldn't keep them. I tell, hey, listen, we're going to go here. We're going to do this. And, and I'd get caught up in some other issue with whether it be missions or whether it be a school or whether it be whatever. And, and I would lag on that promise and I wouldn't fulfill that. And, and I didn't even think anything about it. I thought, oh, they understand. And one day, one day, one of my kids said, Daddy, are you sure? And basically, he, he, he said, don't say it unless you're going to mean it. And boy, that was like a, it hurt. And the reality is, is that I believe sometimes we have kids who are not consistent because we're not consistent. I'm going to whoop you when you get home. Yeah, right. We make threats and we make say things. We lay out rules. I mean, we've made so many lists in our homes of chore lists and haven't followed through that uh, the kids don't even look at the chore list anymore. That don't mean y'all don't have chores. But consistency. One, one person said consistency surprises by its conquest. But when we recognize that there are promises of God, we know that when God makes a promise, we can stand by it. It's a promise, it's a word that he will fulfill. It's not something that, that you have to wonder, will God do this? If God said it, you have to know that if God said it, it will happen, right? And there are promises in the Bible that, that, that are either conditional or unconditional. We can, just as that scripture in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, there's some condition there. He hears us. If we know he, that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that, he, that we have that petition that we have asked him. Condition. 
I mean, Matthew 21, 22. All, and all things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing, you receive it. In other words, there's condition of my believing. If the promise is going to work for me, there means there has to be something that I exert, a faith or a or a but or a condition, right? Somebody said if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, it would be Christmas all year long. There's some conditions that we have, though, right? But then there's some absolute uh, things that are unconditional. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We know that, that that is an unconditional promise. God's word will always be a light to your path. You can trust in it. You can know that he will guide you. He will lead you. So therefore, it's an unconditional promise. Amen. So in these verses, we, we see that there's a claiming, a promise that is both personal, it is conditional. And so when we look at 1 Kings chapter 18 and 1, with, with this little bit of uh, primer of promise in mind, let's see how we can activate the promise claimed. Amen. So let's look at Elijah. 1 Kings chapter 1, chapter 18 and 1. says this, and, and now it happened after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, Go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the face of the earth. Wow. So, very first thing, Elijah had confidence in the promise of God because of the word of God. God told Elijah to go out and confront Ahab. He, he told him, go tell him it's going to rain. Well, look, Ahab don't like him already, right? There's already a presupposition that if he goes, that he probably might be killed, right? They, they don't like him. And God, here's God saying, I want you to go and tell Ahab it is going to rain. So Elijah did as he was commanded. He knew he knew that rain was coming. He knew in his heart because if God said it, he believed it. Elijah believed God and God spoke, right? God said something. So it was the word of God, but it's also the will of God. I mean, Elijah understood the will of God. He understood the, the, his purpose of coming. He understood that he was an instrument and a tool of God in a time when the world needed to hear a voice of God, Right? How many understand that you're a tool in the hand of God in a, in a time where the world needs a voice from God? Amen. And so it was an, an instrument of, of bringing drought upon na of the nation. Elijah knew that the drought had, had been sent because of the idolatry of, of the people. Rain had stopped because the people were worshiping a false god, Baal, instead of Jehovah. Now, here we are in chapter 18, and we're looking at this, and the... the the servants of Baal, the prophets of Baal, they've already been captured, they've already been killed. And, and Elijah knew it was time for the rain to return because he understood the word of God, he understood the will of God. We see in Deuteronomy chapter 11, 13 and 17, and it shall be that, and it's Deuteronomy 11, 13 through 17, and it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commands, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God and serve him with all of your heart and with all of your soul, then, then I will give you the rain for your land in its season, the, the early rain and the latter rain, that, that you may gather in your grain your new wine and your oil. And, and I will send grass in your fields for your livestock that, that they may eat and be filled. 
And then it goes on and says, take heed to yourselves. Somebody say that with me. Take heed to yourselves. Take heed to yourselves. Lest you, your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve uh, other gods and, and worship them. Lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you and, and he shut up the heavens so that so there be no rain and the land yield no produce. And you perish quickly from the good of the land which the Lord has given you. Elijah understood the promise of God. Elijah understood that if, if the people of God turned from God, that they would arouse the anger of God, and these were the consequences, and this was the promise of God. And so Elijah, being somewhat a, of a, a, a nomad, if you will, someone who's raised in the mountainous region of the rough region, he, he was a, a rough rider, if you will, a hard guy. But, but more than likely, he was also a solitude guy, a guy who had spent time with God, and he understood times and seasons. He understood uh, the Word of God. He probably meditated on the Word of God day and night. And so he knew that the people of Israel had turned from God. He knew that these kings had turned away from God, that they were worshiping God in, in, in some high places. They were they had, worshipped, they had worshipped the Asherah. They were worshipping Baal. They had made a temple for Baal. He understood all of this. And so he knew that the promise of God is that God would send judgment on the land. Amen. So when God had revealed, had, when, God, when he had revealed this and God told him to speak this, he also knew that there would be a season when the people turned back to God. And so he, here he was on the, the Mount Carmel, and he had seen uh, the fire fall, and, and he had witnessed the, the community, the nation, bow before God and recognize once again that you are the only God. There is no God before you, and you are the righteous king, the king of glory, the king of kings. You are our Jehovah, right? And so by that, he also knew that if they turned back to God, that God would bless them, that God would once again restore the things that they lost. And so in that understanding, he knew the will of God, and he understood that, that he would be revealing what God would do. Amen. Some people have gotten to the place and have gotten so calloused to the things of God. They said, why, why bother? Why pray? Why, why fast any longer? I mean, it hasn't done any good. Look at this world. I think that we have gotten so, so spoiled to having things done so rapidly for us that we forget that there are seasons, and seasons in our mindset is fall, winter, spring, summer. And we see them, and if you're from certain areas of the country, you might even have even four full seasons. But we've getting caught up in, in, well, this is just a short season. But in spirituality, seasons can be long. Seasons can be years. And seasons can be hard. And seasons can be good. And so here they were in a season of drought because of the, the immorality of, of the land. They were in a drought. They were literally... There was no rain nor dew. Can you imagine that? It was dry. Their cattle were dying. Their livestock was gone. I mean, there was no food. They were struggling. 
And you imagine who they were mad at because it was the, the man of God who declared this over them as he was following the obedience of God, right? So sometimes we get into a place in a funk where we don't feel like we can call out on God. We feel like, well, you know, does God even hear me anymore? None of you guys do that, I'm sure. But we get in these moments and we see your sons and daughters struggling. We see different situations happening and we're wondering, God, don't you hear our cry? God, are you listening? God, what's going on? Why is this going on? And it's easy for us to step in and rescue someone out of a situation, but it could be that God has them there forming their life so that he can take some things away from them so that they will depend on him. How many times have we rescued people out of seasons that God had them in only to find out that they have to, they have to wallow through that season even longer because of our involvement? God help us, right? God's promises are not given to restrict our prayer life, but to energize it. When God reveals His will in a matter... We have, we have, it gives us direction, it gives us purpose, it gives us power in our prayer and to our prayer. When, when we can pray specifically about a situation, we know with confidence this is God's will because God has spoken this to me and I know that if I pray in this manner, it will be done. Amen. Amen. I mean, Elijah had evidence of prayer. If you look at uh, chapter 18, you could see that he had a brook. God... I mean, he, he declared, hey, it's, go, it's going to dry up. And God sent him to a brook. He had a brook that fed him, that gave him water, that they brought food to him. He had a barrel at a widow's house that never went out because it was sustaining. And, and he had saw a child be raised from the dead. He had seen fire from heaven. So in other words, he had, ans- he had answers and evidence to answer prayer. So he knew that if he prayed the will of God, that it would be done. The, the word of God tells us that your rod and your staff will comfort us. And we, we, we often don't understand that. And you've heard me say it before, those of you who've been around long enough. Uh, because you're going, how does a rod and staff comfort me? Well, because when you think of the rod and the staff... Uh, the, the shepherd in every battle that he would fight or every bear that he would run off or every lion that he would keep from the flock, he would notch something in that to state that, hey, I have, to, I have won this battle. And so, therefore, he had a record. Uh, we would call that a journal today, right? So he had a record of what God had done. And I think sometimes we forget to look back at the record what God has done. We forget where we have come from. We forget that we were once lost in sin. We forget that we were the ones who were bound in sin. We were, we were headed for hell's gates. We were headed for death and destruction. Yet God rescued us. He, he brought us out of the miry clay. He set us on the rock to stay. He changed and transformed our lives. And sometimes I think we forget the battles that we have gone through. And therefore, when we get into the new battle, we don't know what to do. And then we question God. God, why did you bring me here? But we need to remember, he brought me through before. He'll bring me through again. He took me out of situation after situation. 
He shaped me and molded me. How could I forget him? How could I let him go? How could I turn my back on him? How could I question who he is when he has forever been for me? He's forever guided my path. He's forever taken care of me. He's forever always provided for me. For he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider. Why would I turn my back on him now? Why would I question what he's doing in my life now? I don't have to understand it. And I think that's our problem. We've gotten so proud that we think we've got to understand everything God does. God, you've got to tell me this. You've got to show me this. And and God's saying, look, hold on, trust me. Because I believe that too many times when we know too much detail, we 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 mess it up. Amen? I mean, some people you can't tell the details because they'll mess it up. Right? So we just need to know, God said this is going to happen. And so I'm going to trust him every day that when I get up, He's going to have the plans and the path set out for me. That day, I want to be obedient to that plan and that path so that whatever he says do, I can accomplish it. And I know that if I'm accomplishing it on a daily basis, then I am getting closer to that journey, closer to to the plan that he has for me. Amen. Elijah was, he was a prayer warrior. You see that in, in, in 1 Kings 18, 41 through 46. Elijah tells Ahab, he says, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of an abundance of rain. Come on, somebody. He didn't see anything. He didn't see it. He said, but there's a sound. Somebody needs to get in your spirit that there's a sound of an abundance of rain. You don't see it. You're struggling. You're feeling like you're in a drought. You feel like you're empty. But if you will just get in your spirit that God wants to pour out a latter-day rain in you, you may may not see it yet, but if you'll just keep on looking, if you'll just keep on hearing the voice of God, there's a sound of an abundance of rain coming your way. Hallelujah. And so Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of, of Carmel. Then he bowed down. On the ground and put his face between his knees and he said to his servant, go up now and look to the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there's nothing. And seven times he said, go up again. And then it came to pass on the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. And he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the the rain stops, stops you. Now it it will happen in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. And then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Elijah in the entrance of Jezreel. Now there's some things that that we can pull from that. First of all, Elijah knew he had to go up And thank God. He knew he had to go on the mountain and get along with God. And even though the prophets of Baal were dead, and even though they were gone, and uh, there was still work to be done. Just because you think the enemy's defeated doesn't mean that we stop working. Doesn't mean that we give up. It doesn't mean we just sat down. Well, whew, that was good. That's over. That's the moment that we have to clean the house. 
That's the moment we have to go through and say, well, we've, we've run him out. Let's, let's clean this place up because we don't want him to come back, right? Let's fortify the, the house of God. Let's fill it with the things of God. Let the, let's fill it with an abundance of rain of God so that the enemy, when he comes back, there's no room in the inn. Why did he go to the mountain? Well, because, because he wanted to, to, to get separated from all the noise of the world. He wanted to separate himself so that he could get closer to God. To spiritually be strengthened. I mean, know that we, we need to get alone sometimes so we're not influenced by the things, by the negative words of others. He was humbled, said in verse 42, says that he bowed himself before the presence of the Lord. In other words, he literally bowed himself down. It says that he tucked his head between his knees. I think too many times we have gotten so prideful that we think we dictate God. And yet it is God who dictates us. And so we need to go to God, but we need to come before him in, in humility. We need to come before him knowing that he is not just some pie-in-the-sky lucky charm that we call on when we need. He is God Almighty who created heavens and earth. He needs to be honored. He needs to be revered. There, ne- there has to be a necessity of the fear of God. And, and, and we, that conjures up so many negative ideas. But when, when we fear the Lord, we under, what we're saying is we understand that God literally can let me live or die. It is God who created me and therefore I'm His and not the other way around. And therefore I'm submitting myself to Him. He was specific. When He went to pray, He was specific. It's kind of like Jesus when... He went to Lazarus' tomb, right? He could have just said, arise. But as many have said that if Jesus would have said, arise, without being specific, that all the graves would have been opened and all the tombs would have uh, been emptied, right? But Jesus was specific. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And too many times I think that we come in mumbled and jumbled and we're so, so full of words that we are not specific with God. Look, when you go into the presence of God and you go before him humbly be specific God this is what I need and Lord I submit that to you and I trust that if this is not correct that you will direct my path that you will change my heart that you'll change my mind that you will show me what specifically I need to do at this moment He didn't waste time on generalities. He didn't waste time on all the fluffy words. He prayed a prayer of faith, specifically naming the things that he needed done. And God honors that kind of prayer. Amen. Amen. He was earnest. Elijah was sincere about his prayer. James tells us that, James 5 and 17 tells us that he was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. He prayed earnestly. What's that mean? What does it mean to, to pray earnestly? What is the idea? He prayed in prayer. He prayed with tears. How many have ever prayed earnestly? You've been so desperate with God that it wasn't just a, a passing by. Yes, oh God, uh, help me with this. And then we get up and we move on. I don't know how your mama prayed for you, but I know how my mama prayed for me. I know the hours spent 
with tears running down her face. I know the cloths that she soaked with tears and snot as she begged God to, to save her son. How many times have we gotten earnest with God lately? How many times do we lay out before him and, and literally we have nothing else to say but groanings inside of us. It gets so deep with God because we're so desperate to see the hand of God move that we're willing to spend hours on our face before God until something truly happens, until we see breakthrough. How many have had seen a breakthrough lately? Because so many times we, we pray and we don't see breakthrough. And, and because we're, we have become a church that hasn't seen breakthrough. I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about the church in general. But because churches in general have not seen breakthrough, they've become inept. There's, no lack, there, there's a lack of power and a lack of authority because uh, their, their five-minute prayer, their now I lay me down to sleep, has been their only prayer, and they haven't spent time with God to see God speak into them to transform their lives. They haven't truly allowed God to, 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 to really enter into their prayer closet that just awakens them and shakes them and, 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 and begins to do something powerful. We need, once again... An earnest prayer, a prayer that, brid, that, that, is, that is a bridge between interest and involvement. It's not just an interest meeting with God. And we have too many interest meetings with God. And we're not involved with what God wants us to do anymore. But until we're willing to say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, whatever it takes, God, I'm not just interested in meeting with you. I'm not just interested in hearing your voice. I'm interested in obeying whatever you say. I'm interested in having spiritual surgery done in my life because if there's something that needs to be removed, if there's a growth that is keeping me from drawing near to you, if there's a growth, that a cancerous spiritual cancer that's in my life that's hindering my vision or in, hindering my appetite for you, God, remove that from my life. That's what, that's what earnest prayer does. Prayer is risky. It may, it may seriously affect your capacity for ease and comfort and mediocrity. It might cause you to have to do something. God help us to pray. When Elijah prayed, he didn't come in with this spiritless attitude, flamboyant, flagrant. He came in with an intensity to know that he was entering the throne room of God and that he was meeting the creator of heavens and earth. And when he asked, he knew that he was asking on the petition of God that if he asked in God's will, it would be done. Oh God, give us men and women who pray uh, who pray the fervent, faithful prayer and, and let us avail to no end in our community, in our neighborhoods, in our home, in our places, in our children's life, in our grandchildren. And God, let us avail once again. The purpose of prayer is to bring us to the same place God is already at in regards to our request. I think too many times we're trying to lasso God and pull him into our circle. And God's saying, you need to come to my circle. Prayer is to shape us, not to form God. 
Prayer has to be persistent. I mean, look, in verse 43, he sent the, sent the servant, what, eight times, seven times? He sent the servant to go, go, go look again. Go again, check again. Seven times he told him, go again. So in reality, he sent him eight times. Eight's the number of new beginning, right? So it, what he was saying is, look, seven times is, is perfect, but there's a new beginning about to happen right here. <laughs> we're not bound by yesterday. We're not bound by the old. We're, we're going to see something new happen right here. On the eighth time, there's a new beginning You've been empty-handed. You've been sitting around and you've been looking to the sky, waiting, praying to Baal, waiting for something that Baal can't give you. I'm here to tell you that on the eighth time, there's a new beginning. God's going to send rain into your life. He's, it may not look like you want it to look. It may not it feel like you want it to feel, but it's going to happen. He was persistent. You know, look, sometimes it's not that God needs us to say it twice because he didn't hear us. He just needs to know, are you serious? Right? If my kid asked me for something once, I might not, I might, maybe. It depends on what it is. But I know that if they're consistent, I know they really want it. Don't ask me for a bunch of junk, y'all. We have to become ones who are sincere enough to pray through, to pray it consistently. We have to be persistent in our prayer. It was a prayer of expectation. Elijah didn't come in and pray and say, well, uh, my God might do this. Look, when you come to pray for me for healing, come pray for me with the understanding that God will heal. Amen? Because if we go in with a mentality, well, God may or might or could. I tell people, look, my job is to pray for healing. So when I come in and pray for your healing, I'm believing that God is going to completely heal your body. Yes. It's not up to me to heal you. It's up to God to heal you. Amen. It's up to me to believe that God can and will heal you. Yes. So when I pray, God, I pray that you will bring healing to this body. I pray that you will touch them, that transform them, that, God, that you step into their life, that you, I speak life over them right now. God, it is in your hands. I'm trusting you for this healing right now. Amen? Amen. We, talk ourselves out of, we talk ourselves out of healing. We pray for them, and if we don't see it right then, oh, well, God, if, if, if it be your will. Well, God, if, God, if it, just make them comfortable. Better move on. But somebody better get up here and play because somebody's roast is burning. Anyway, I mean, Elijah prayed with an expectation. When you look at the word rain in verse 41, it doesn't refer, it doesn't refer to a mist or a sprinkle. It refers to a heavy downpour. So when he prayed, he wasn't praying, God, I just want just enough. He wasn't praying, God, I just want to fill my little cistern. He's saying, God, I'm believing for an outpouring of the heavens to be open and the earth to be drenched. Let it fall, God, right? 
If we ever are going to see the real success in our prayer lives, we have to learn to pray with an an expectation. God, I believe that you're going to do this. I trust you. I know that you're capable, and I believe that you can, and I believe that you will in Jesus' name. Mark chapter 11, 24 says, Therefore I say unto you, whatever so things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. I mean, just think if... If Jesus would have told the disciples, well, look, hey, guys, I want y'all to hang out in the upper room. Acts chapter 1, 4. I want y'all to hang out in the upper room and, until you be endued with power from on high. That meant that they had to wait with an expectation. They could have hung out for a little while. Well, well, I, I hadn't seen nothing yet. I got to go do this and I got to go do that. But they stayed. In a room with expectation. Now, I want you to understand that, that and, and you theologians can correct me, but from my understanding that there were more than 120 there in the beginning. There were 500 there in the beginning. But it was only 120 that was there when the outpouring came. What does that tell you? That 380 people missed out on the blessing that day and I think that we have to understand that our waiting is not a, a, a waiting of, of ambiguity it is a waiting with expectation because we believe that God will do something we know God is able we know God can we know God will so therefore I'm not leaving here till I get something right I mean, sometimes we got to wrestle with God, amen, until, until we're changed, until something's different about us. And, and I don't want to leave the presence of God the same way that I came in. I want to know that when I walk away from the presence of God, whether it be having a limp or a different mentality or whatever that looks like, God change me because I know that I'm not perfect until I meet Him in the air. And I want that, that per- perfection in me. I'm closing. What does it mean to wait? When we look at the Word of God, we see various scriptures. There's five specific Greek words that mean wait, and one is to anticipate, to eagerly wait, to look forward to, to receive or welcome, to look forward. I want to know that I'm, my heart is ready to, to receive the answer. In verse 44. On the eighth trip, the servant saw the cloud rising out of the sea. This was the news that brought Elijah the prophet. Knew that God's answer had come. His prayers had prevailed and God was sending the rain. I don't know what you have expectation for. I don't know what you're fighting against. I don't know if it's for a loved one, for a child, for a family member. I don't know. But I do know this. God is able to step in to whatever circumstance you're facing. He's able to embrace, grab a hold of your hand. And walk you through that. He's able to 
heal your broken heart. Whatever emotional turmoil you're facing. How many know that there's a whole lot of people that are struggling today with, with anxiety and depression? And, and, and some of them don't even know where it's coming from. If they knew that, they, they probably could be healed of it. Emotional stresses that, that are overwhelming, triggered by something and they don't even know what it is. And, and it's, it's causing conflict within their home. It's causing conflict with themselves. It's causing health issues. People look down and say, you know, you just need Jesus. Well, you do need Jesus. But that doesn't discount that the, that the emotion is real. It's real. And I'm just saying, look, if we can get our eyes on Jesus, we can start a journey of healing. We can start a journey of hope. I'm believing for your kids to be saved. I'm believing for your grandkids to come in. I'm believing for a revival presence to flow in this place. Not, look, Lord, I know I'm not that good. It's not about the preacher. It's about a people who get hungry for God. It's about a people who come with an expectation. It's about a people who says, I want to get together in unity with the body of Christ and I want to experience God. And you come in with this hunger like Elijah says, I'm going, I'm going to see God move. And you're bombarding the altars because you're not afraid. It's not, well, what would people think if I come to the altar? They might think I've sinned. Why are we afraid? We're, we're so caught up in, in what everybody else thinks, but are we afraid to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Are we afraid that when the Spirit comes on us that we might do something, our makeup might get messed up, our hair might get messed up, those of you who have some. But we get so off track, and yet, who's suffering? Who's suffering for our lack of fervency? Who are, we, who are we missing? Who's missing our prayer? Who's missing that moment that we intercede? Who's missing that moment that, that needs someone to intercede? I mean, God has spoken a name to us, but we, we're unwilling to travail in prayer. Oh, God, help us to be like Elijah. When he went up on the mountain, man, this was the man of God. This was the guy that just a few moments earlier prayed to God and fire came down. This is the one that said, hey, go gather all the prophets of Baal and, and do away with them. This was the authoritative man of God, which James 5 says has a nature just like all of us. What's different? He prayed. He had a connection with God. and was not allowing anything to distract him. He went on that mountain. He humbled himself. Himself before the Lord. He was specific with God. He prayed from an understanding that 
God is able. And God will provide. And he prayed with an expectation that God will do this. Because this is his promise. This morning, there's some of you in this room that's been given a promise and you haven't seen it fulfilled. And you feel like giving up. But today I'm telling you, will you be willing to pray? Will you be willing to travail a little longer? Will you be willing to dig in a little deeper? And if that's you, would you come and join me right here? There's plenty of room if you need some distance. Would you come and believe with me? Would you come and call on the name of God? Maybe it's your son. Maybe it's your daughter. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your neighborhood. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's just the thought that we need God to move in our society again. God, help us. All I know is is that it can't keep going the same way. I, I don't want to continue in the same pattern that's been going. There has to be something different. There has to be something different. If you see someone down here that you'd like to pray with and you'd like to join them, I want you to have that liberty to come and stand beside them or behind them and pray. Can we believe together? Can we believe together? Jesus. 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 Oh 
Beginning to swell. 
Jesus. To the skies, heavy with blessing, lift your eyes, offer your heart. Jesus Christ, open the heavens, now we receive the Spirit of God. Well, I pray, Lord, as we sit in here this morning, I pray, God, that, that, Lord, we will not give up on the cloud to swell in our home. Lord, I, I surrender this congregation, our plans. Lord, everything is yours. Do what you will, God. Have your way in us. Create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us. Cast us not away from your presence, O Lord. Lord, draw us near and let us truly hear your voice and walk in your truth. Thank you, Jesus, for this morning. Thank you for this word. We love you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. They're going to continue playing softly while these those who are in these altars can continue to pray. Reminder that we have an awesome service planned for tonight. Brother Jordan Ambern, who you heard preach last month, is going to be preaching, and he's bringing his singing group, and they're going to be singing. Uh, It is, I don't know what style you like, but they're a traditional style. It's going to be awesome. And come with an expectation tonight to once again experience God. I love you guys. Have a wonderful afternoon.